Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the number one podcast for Black parents. It is the Black People Parenting Podcast. Of course, you know me. It's Dion, family engagement educator and host of the podcast, host of Black People Parenting, and just welcoming everyone here for this latest and greatest episode. Uh, we've been talking about finances for the entire season, for this uh, season of Black People Parenting, and I think it's important if we talk about finances, we got to talk about jobs, we got to talk about employment. So, I brought somebody on with us who is the expert extraordinaire in all things uh, jobs and all things employment. Uh, I know her as something else. Today, she's going by the recruiter cousin. Uh, I love that moniker. I love that name. I don't know how she wants me to refer to her today, but I'm just going to refer to her as... You can call me whatever you want because you knew me before recruiting. <laughs> That's what I tell people too. Like People tell me, like, I don't know if we should call you Showtime. You can, whatever you met me as is what you can call me. I tell people that all the time. So I get it. Uh, Shanae Urquhart is here. She goes by the name of uh, at Recruiter Cousin on all social platforms. Uh, and she has been doing the Lord's work and helping people get jobs and help pe helping people kind of um, figure out their path and what they need to do to get employed and to be more employable. And I think it's uh, important for her to come on the show and kind of talk about uh, some of those things. So welcome to the show, ma'am. Good to see you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's funny because I called you Dion to my husband and completely forgot that you were Showtime. So he was I'm like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. So yeah, I I, I um, have pivoted out of Showtime for the most part. Like we, like me, you were saying, like I still will, will do some things at Showtime. Um, yeah. I think I think we're going to launch um, a music podcast pretty soon. Well, mm -hmm. where I might just you know keep the Showtime name going, but since I'm not in radio, like I figure, you know, with everything else I'm doing, like I might as well just go ahead and and go full speed with my government name and you know go with yeah. my mom. <laughs> Go with the name my mama gave me. You feel me? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so let, let's talk about you a little bit. Like, I want to talk about, um, first of all, your journey, because tell us your story. Like, tell us what you do now and what you were doing previous to what you're doing now. Yeah. So um, what I'm doing now is I'm a recruiter in big tech. So I originally I wanted to be an attorney and then I, that didn't happen because I didn't pass the bar which was really a blessing in disguise because I don't think I would have been good at it. I just think that I wanted to be an attorney, but I don't think I would have been a good one. And part of that is because some of the things that even my friends tell me now, I'd have been like, uh -uh, I ain't good with that. Nope. So, um, so I don't think I would have been a good one. So I pivoted out of legal into HR uh, originally. So before I got into HR, it was literally in that middle time where I was uh, a a secretary in Duke's law school with a mm. law degree. And so mm. I had to very much humble myself because it was a temp job. I was still trying to find my way, but I had to humble myself in the, in the journey because I kept saying like, you're not here for no reason. And so you need a job. So Shanae, you got to humble yourself. And so my second assignment after that first temp assignment was a, a, a compliance officer with Duke Talent Identification Program, which is Duke TIP. And that's where I met my mentor. And so my mentor asked me if I wanted to learn how to be a recruiter. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I genuinely don't have nothing else to do. So, sure. <laughs> so in the midst of all of that, I was doing spoken word and I was driving lifts and I was doing all these things. So when Dion says that he knows me before recruiter cousin, he knew me, he knew me as COE the artist. And I'm still COE the artist when I'm doing spoken word. Recruiter cousin is what I love to to tackle spoken word, motivational speaking, and then my actual job. So 
I so I went from that to being a recruiter to being taken under her wing and she really taught me about the candidate experience and why it's important to understand the candidate experience because all of us at some point was a candidate is a candidate or will be a candidate and so to understand that you have to understand the urgency of a candidate so she really kind of took me under her wing and taught me through all of taught me all of that i then pivoted from her which was in higher education at duke to the healthcare side as a full-time recruiter for about two years mm. and so i went from I went from legal to pivoting into higher education, pivoted into healthcare, and then now ultimately I'm currently in big tech. So mm. I recruit for probably the biggest tech company, if not the if not the grandfather of all tech companies. Uh, mm. In addition to that, I do a lot of my own work. So I do a lot of recruiting on a in a kind of recruiting motivational speaking at the same time. So I don't I only recruit for one company, but I do a lot of motivational speaking and trying to get people to understand how to go throughout the job search process, how to make it easier on yourself. And there's some things that recruiters know that candidates wouldn't know unless you were a recruiter. Mm -hmm. Now, you talk a lot about about pivoting, and that's something that a lot of us, including myself, had to do uh, because of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how, how hard was it for you to make that pivot? And what are some steps that people can take if they are in the job market and they are thinking about um, needing to pivot. Yeah. So one of the, so just a formal part of the question, what the steps that I had to take was I had to genuinely, I had to humble myself, which was very hard to do because I had to understand that I am, I am, I'm very worthy of being in a certain industry or in a certain position. But I had to understand that in order to do that, I may have had to take a few steps back in terms of pay to understand where I wanted to go later. And so that was something that I had to had to overcome, which was really difficult. So in the midst of going in the midst of right in, in between going from legal contracting into uh, higher education in at Duke, I was a I, going from legal into higher education at Duke, I was a legal contractor in the middle. And being a legal contractor, I was making like $23 an hour. Uh, and those hours, I could very well, depending on the project, I could do 40 hours a week. I could do overtime if I wanted to. So, and then the hours were flexible. So it was, it was kind of easy money, so to speak. And then I went to have, having to pivot into and to do at on on the higher education space, which was hard because I took like an eight dollar pay cut. So mm. I had to really understand in order for me to be set up for something, I had to take a few steps back and I had to be okay with that. I think what we run into sometimes as candidates is we're so used to making a certain amount of money that we're not able to take that step back or take that pay cut which is understandable because there's a certain lifestyle that you become accustomed to. And then, you know, cost of living is crazy. So I completely understand that some people are not in the position to take a pay cut like I was. Like I had a supportive husband. So I was, he was okay with me taking the pay cut to then be pushed forward later. But I do think that at times you may have to take a little bit of a pay cut based on the competitiveness of the industry, based on just kind of the situation that you may be in to then to then understand that you'll be pushed forward later mm -hmm. that's not always true in all cases for me it was uh then you didn't have 
you have times where you may not be able to take a pay cut and you can absolutely just enter a boot camp, go back to school and be able to then transfer your hard skills from going to school and being in, in another industry that way to go into a pivoting industry. So it, it's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, but I think one of the hardest things was take being able being having to take that pay cut mm-hmm. and having to understand that in order for me to be successful, I had to have a at the time in the moment, I had to have a law degree making $15 an hour. That was really hard to like grasp and to really understand. Mm-hmm. So, it, but in order, I mean, it worked out later. So, I mean, that was just my story, but I would just say that you have to be able to humble yourself in the best way possible, no matter the circumstance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the job market has, um, has changed in recent years and how has that kind of like affected the role that recruiters play in the search for jobs? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'll I'll answer the recruiter part first. So what's hard about being a recruiter is the recruiter reputation is that recruiters don't follow through. We don't communicate. We ghost candidates. All kinds of recruiters are hard to get in contact with, all kinds of stuff. I do so much work outside of my nine to five because I try to dismantle that stereotype that all we do is we recruit for the company and we don't really care about the candidate. And that's not true with all cases and with all recruiters. So I would say that in in getting in first and getting in contact with a recruiter, you have to be able to be prepared when you're talking to a recruiter so that then they can help you navigate the job search process. When it comes to the job market, at this point, and and I'll for I'll speak for tech and then I'll speak for other industries. With tech specifically, within the last almost three weeks now, we I think we're close to like seventy thousand to hundred thousand people who've been laid off from all major tech companies. Right. So the people who the people who were already laid off or unemployed or what have you, or even employed but just trying to get out of their current jobs, in in that space, I think what's been difficult is is you are you are already competing with the people who were laid off with you. Now you're competing with people, 70 to 100,000 plus people, in addition to the people who you were competing with before. And so what can be what can be difficult is when you have companies who want to pull those people who were laid off from competitive companies because they have the certain skill set that a hiring manager is looking for. At that point, the people who were laid off well before the people who are in big tech or healthcare or whoever they feel pushed to the to the back because because hiring managers or specific companies are looking for specific skill sets that the people who were recently laid off may have versus the people who have been laid off for a long time. Mm-hmm. The job market has been it's been really competitive in the numbers, and then add the fact that it's only a certain. And I only say only I say only because within a certain type of position it's only a certain amount of positions that may be available for thousands of people who need jobs. You then have other positions like tech sales, for example, that people overlook that have thousands of jobs open. So I just think that the job market is going to depend on what you want to do and understand what you want to do and then go after that. I have a lot of people who reach out to me in my DMs, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere. And they they tell me, well, Shanae, I want to get in the tech. And the first question I ask is, what do you want to do? And they say, well, I don't know. And then I say, come back to me when you figure it out. 
because at that point you have to tell me, okay, what do you, what exactly do you want to do in this industry? So then I can maybe help guide you to the right person or kind of the right processes that you can actually follow in order to get you there. So the job market is competitive in and of itself, but I think sometimes without having direction, the candidate can be even more lost, especially with the job market being so competitive now. So how do you how do you determine who who's the best candidate for a specific company? Like the, like what is there a certain criteria that you go by? So yeah, so if I'm if I'm co- uh, recruiting for a specific position with the company I work for, then I have to go off of the job description, and that's every recruiter. Mm-hmm. We always have to go off of the job description, and at the very bottom of the job description, you have the minimum qualifications. So where you see education and experience. All of that is the minimum are the minimum qualifications. And then right in the middle of that, somewhere in there, you'll have language that'll say preferred or something like that. That means that you don't have to meet all of those preferred qualifications, but you do have to meet all of the minimum qualifications that the hiring manager set out. So that's what we follow for compliance reasons and, and especially to be in line with the law. Mm. So do you... <laughs> So let me ask you this. Always, this is a question I always thought about when I was in the hunt for a job. Other mm-hmm. duties as 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 a sign that always would get me right. They throw that down. <laughs> they, yeah. they they quickly yeah. throw out other duties as a sign. What exactly does that mean? And like, if they ask me to do something, I get the job, and they ask me to do something. It, can anything fall under other duties as a sign? Yep. That's how they. That's how that. So when people complain about. Well, this wasn't in my job description. Actually, it is. Mm. And that bullet that at the very bottom, that's normally the last bullet. Last that one. bottom bullet said other duties as a sign. Mm. Mm. That mm. is exactly what that means. So that means you need to stretch to another team to help out another teammate. If that means you have to go move some boxes, if mm. that means you may have to volunteer somewhere. If Clean that, the it can, it can literally be anything. <laughs> Granted, it's definitely the, in the, within the bounds that makes sense. But there are times when, like, I've complained. I've, I've complained before about different jobs that I've worked, worked mm-hmm. for, worked at. And my mentor will say, well, Shanae, um, based on this job description, like, it does say other duties as a sign. Right. And he, she literally was like, that's how they get you. If they say this is another duty that you need to do that relates to your job, even if you don't think it does, they feel like it does. So you have to follow that. If you don't like it, of course you're welcome to leave, which is easier said than done. But yeah, that's exactly how they get you. That's, that's how they get you. Mm. Go make me a bacon double <laughs> cheeseburger. Pronto. I mean, you got to go do it. <laughs> it's ludicrous out here, man. So let me ask you this. What are, what are some mistakes that you see uh, from candidates when they are in the process of looking for a job? What are some mistakes that they make? So the number one mistake that they make is coming to recruiters unprepared mm-hmm. 100%. When you, so if, if you come into my DM and I think one of the most common annoying things that we get is when someone comes into our DM, they slot, they attach their resume without us asking for it. They, they attach their resume and they say, okay, what jobs do you have for me? Mm. And I immediately go, well, did you look on the website for opportunities? If the answer is no, I will ignore you because that let me know that you don't want 
to do the work. You don't want to do the research. You want me to do it. Mm -hmm. And you think it's because I have easy access to certain information because I am an employee of the company. I'm supposed to just give you whatever position may be coming down the pipeline, which I cannot do. Or I'm, I need to point you in the direction of a specific position based on your your skill set on your listed on your resume. What people don't understand is that a recruiter's job is to recruit for specific positions that are assigned to them in a specific business of that company. So I always tell people, think of recruitment as a really big room. So then think of a recruiter as having a small corner in that big room. They have access to the small corner, but all of the other information is filled by other recruiters in all corners of the room, which means that we may overlap to help one another, but we don't have the responsibility of pushing a skill set or a resume to a hiring manager that doesn't belong to us. So I think one of the hardest things to deal with as a recruiter is when people like, for example, they'll send me a position and they'll say, so I applied to this position. Can you send me to the hiring manager? Without asking me, does the position belong to me? Now, I've had people who say, I apply to this role, not sure if it belongs to you, but if it doesn't, do you mind sending, do you mind telling the recruiter who it's assigned to about me? I can do that. Now, that's fine. But I think for people who expect us to do the work for them, it is, it's, it can be frustrating and it can, it can tire us out to a point where when we reach the people who are prepared, we'll feel like answering no more questions. Right. Because at that point, we've been so emptied and just so kind of like bogged down with all of the ill-prepared questions that it becomes, it, it becomes taxing by the time you get to the people who are actually prepared, which really sucks. But mm -hmm. that sometimes is how it is. But, so what role does networking play in the work that you do and what are some tips like is networking still important like you know rubbing yeah. elbows uh Absolutely. so okay so so what are some tips that you can give for uh those who may not know how to network or may not know how to yeah. uh connect with folks yeah so that goes to my job secret templates so i wrote those templates specifically for that so i wrote templates based on i wrote literally from state from the very beginning stage of you networking or trying to apply to jobs to by the time you accept an offer. I wrote a DM template for you to actually understand how to network with a recruiter or a hiring manager. And I wrote it in a way where you can word it so you can so the person can understand I as a candidate respect your time. I apologize if this if this is coming in a random way or whatever, but I want to I want you to know I respect your time. I applied to this role. I applied to this role with this company not sure if this applies to you or if it's assigned to you. If it's not, do you mind sending my LinkedIn to the person who it's assigned to? I wrote that specifically and worded it that way because people will attach their resumes to us in our DMs without our permission. The reason why it's not always a bad thing, but the reason why your resume may not leave our DMs is because your resume has personal identifiable information in it that if it gets into the wrong hands, then the per then the person who took it and the company they work for is liable for your information getting into the wrong hands. Mm -hmm. So it's easier if you say something like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm able to attach my resume, but I am I able to give you my LinkedIn profile link so that you can send my link to the person who this position is assigned to. Your LinkedIn profile is public. So anybody can look at that. So it's easier to have your LinkedIn updated have that act as your floating resume 
And then that way we can share LinkedIn from one recruiter or hiring manager to the next. Mm. The reason why that's important is because hiring managers look at your LinkedIn before we even get to it. Sometimes they actually send us your LinkedIn and be like, can you reach out to this candidate? And we had no idea who the candidate was or how they even came about. So because hiring managers are looking at your LinkedIn profile so much, I always stress for people to keep their LinkedIn's updated. The next, the next template that I have is a recruiter screening template. So people have asked me, how do you prepare for a recruiter screen? And how is that different from actually, um, actually preparing for an actual interview? Mm -hmm. So I wrote a recruiter screen template for people to understand this is, these are some of the things that we ask. This is some of the things that you may want to think about preparing for and all of that. The next thing I do, I did was I wrote a preparing for the interview template. So now once you get the interview, once you've networked and you've sent the DM and y'all can have a conversation and then you hit the recruiter screen and the recruiter has referred you. Now, if the hiring manager is interested in interviewing you, then let's go ahead and prepare you for the interview. And then this is what I wrote for in preparation of the interview and how you prepare for the interview. Once you get, once you get to the interview, there at the very end of an interview, there is a chance for you to then interview the company or mm -hmm. the interviewer. And that chance comes at the very end when it when they ask, Do you have do you have any questions for right. us? That is your chance to, to become the interviewer. So I have a list of about 10 questions that you can ask an interviewer to catch the interviewer off guard, to keep them intrigued, and to, to get them to understand that you are not a pushover type of candidate. You are a serious candidate. And I've learned the hard way that depending on the kind of questions that you ask, the interviewers can look at you as a pushover or a strong candidate. So I wrote questions so that you can look as look like a strong candidate and not a pushover. From there, if you ask those questions, the next template I have is, okay, now I've gotten to the interview. Here is my post-interview post -interview email follow-up template that you can use this template to send an email to the interviewing team if you haven't heard anything. And so I've had people use the DM template and gotten offers. I had, I think the fastest offer I got from someone using my DM template was three days. Mm. So she used the DM template, she had a job by day three. The next one, she used my DM template and got hired by day 12. The next one was day 14. So, so, they, so I'm, I was like, oh, they work, cool. So then after that, after you get past the the interview, the post interview follow up email, if you haven't heard anything, the next template I have is we've now reached the salary negotiations. Or if you have not gotten to salary negotiations and they decided to go somewhere else, then it's okay to ask for feedback or anything like that, depending on if they can give it to you. If you get to the salary negotiations, I have a list of questions that you can ask to understand your package. Because I came into big tech not really understanding the difference between base salaries, base salary and total comp. So I wrote that out so you can so candidates can understand what they're getting into. And then the next template I had is I have like um a template specifically for tech sales for people who want to go into tech sales. I have a cover letter template. Um, I have a resume template. So about 16 templates that I created for people to learn how to network and then navigate through their job search process a little easier. So where can these templates be found? And are they available yeah, so for purchase? They are available for purchase. So my templates are on my DM, on my, on my LinkedIn. So <laughs> if you go to my LinkedIn page, at the right under where it says Durham, North Carolina at the top, it says RC Job Seeker Templates. You hit that link and hit the hyperlink and you go to the Job Seeker Template page where 
you have all of the templates that I created. If you go on my Instagram and you go to my direct me and my bio, hit the direct me and then you can go to the direct me page and it'll, it has all of my templates there as well. Or you can DM me and I can see the link too. It's, so there, under, it's on the world under Recruiter Cousin. So there was this, there was this one time when, when young Glad Dad Dion, probably before I was Glad Dad Dion, went in for a job interview, right? This is just a quick story mm-hmm. time. So the people called me and they said, can you come in for an interview today? And I was like, all right, bet. It's a call center job. You know, back then, call centers were, were big business, right? I was like, mm-hmm. all right, bet. So I knew that the interview wasn't going to go right when I was sitting in the lobby waiting for the interview. And I realized I had on mixed match socks. That was the first thing that I realized I did wrong. <laughs> and I'm saying this because I don't want anybody to follow in these footsteps. The second thing that I did wrong, I realized when I was in the interview, the interviewer asked me a question. I don't remember what the question was. All I remember is that when he asked me the question, my reply was, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an answer for him. Like I did all of the shucking and jiving that I could do. And it got to that final point, And he was like, well, give me a time when you X, Y, Z. And I said, I don't know. Needless mm-hmm. to say, I didn't get the job. So please, mm-hmm. people, when you go into an interview, never use the answer. I don't I know. Don't know. You have never to never say that. If you have to lie, if you have if to. You gotta make it up on the spot. Never say, (laughs) I don't know. I just had to get that out. So you talk about LinkedIn a lot, right? And a lot of us really aren't really familiar with uh, how useful LinkedIn can be. Like we're kind of sleeping on LinkedIn, but it's like LinkedIn is a monster. So can you kind of explain the benefits? Because I know for me, it's like, oh, it's another social network. Oh, it's another thing. Uh, I don't really know how to use. I don't really know how to navigate. I post stuff and nobody even sees it. Can you talk about yeah. like the benefits of LinkedIn in the business world and how we can kind of how we can best uh, leverage that to help us out in our job searches? Yeah, of course. So first, I love LinkedIn because that's actually how I got my job. So that's actually how I got a tech. I wasn't looking actively looking for a job and I had my jobs tab notifications on and it sent me a recruiter job for the company I currently work for. And I then hit the link and I just follow the link into from my email to LinkedIn to the website. I applied here. I am literally, uh, I know it's not that easy for a lot of people, but it was that easy for me mm. and it wasn't that easy for a long time. So I was happy. It was that easy for me. LinkedIn helped a lot of people get jobs. So if you go on someone's LinkedIn profile, like for mine, for example, you type in recruit hashtag recruiter company, you'll get me. If you type in Sinead Urquhart, you'll get me. If you go to where my current experience is, it'll be like a a LinkedIn icon that'll say LinkedIn helped me get this job because I actually use LinkedIn to go to the website to then apply to that specific role. So what I love also about LinkedIn that is very different from like a Facebook or an Instagram or even a TikTok is LinkedIn, for example. So Deanna, you and I are connected on LinkedIn and you posted something, but you weren't getting traction on that post. If I hit like, love, or react to it in any kind of way, or if I comment, my entire almost 80,000 person network would see that I commented on your thing and it brings light to your post. So your mm. post would just show up on my knows, network or right. everybody on my network post will see it. Hmm. So it helps it helps get your impressions up. Of, and the impressions just mean that every single time you're 
your post showed up on somebody's like profile or timeline or something like that. Mm -hmm. It helps kind of navigate that space. Mm -hmm. And then what LinkedIn has is they have social, they have social Saturdays and job seeker Sundays. So social Saturdays is when you, you put up a post and you say open to connect or open to network. My name is Sinead Erker. I'm a recruiter with this company. I'm looking for a job with this company or this company, or I'm looking to pivot into this type of role, I'm open to connect or I'm open to work. And you hashtag those things. So when people see, and then you hashtag social Saturday, when people see it, they'll comment under it and they say, Hey, my name is Dion. I'm looking to pivot out of this into this. And then hopefully a recruiter or a hiring manager will see your post, or they may know someone who is trying to hire or trying to network with someone who's who's trying to who's looking for that particular job. Mm -hmm. So I love it because it brings a community of people together and it helps you they everybody helps you find a position. What we also do on LinkedIn is I partner I recently partnered with originally it was like 15 other people once all of the layoffs happened in like a matter of a week I just like my spirit was just like should they do something for the community. So me and 15 other people band together and we decided to do free resume review for five people. So then, you know, resume review can run you like two, three, four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. So we decided to take five people and do free resume review. But this wasn't just any any type of person. It had the, the people on this list. They were recruiters. They were career coaches and they were resume writers that I actually trusted. So my my original 15 people went from 15 people to 93 people mm. from everybody just reaching out saying, I want to volunteer. I want to give back. So we had hundreds of people's resumes uh, reviewed for free. Uh, so the community just helps each other. And mm -hmm. that's what I love. Mm -hmm. Now you, you talked about resumes. Now I'm, I'm from the school back in the day where uh, they would tell you that your resume should only be one page. Right. I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember that those times, like your mm -hmm. resume was only supposed mm -hmm. to be one page. Is yeah. that still a thing? Because now as someone who has worked in the job market for almost 30 years at this point, it's impossible mm -hmm. to have a one page resume. So talk mm -hmm. to talk, talk, talk to me about like the process of creating a standout resume and a standout cover letter. Yeah. So first, I think it's weird when people say that a resume should be one page when you have 30 years of experience, right. like right. or when you have 10 years of experience. Right. I think that's weird. So when like I've had countless people come to me and say, well, I was told that your resume should be one page. And I keep and I always say, well, who told you that? Mm -hmm. if, if, was it an HR person or was it a recruiter? And, and granted, both are in HR. But was it someone in, in some way were they in HR? If the answer is no, then I highly doubt you should probably listen to them. It was my now, FBLA if, teacher in high school is actually who it was. Yeah, no. <laughs> now, if, now, if you were, if you are a student just graduating from school, understand that your paid, your resume is probably only going to be one page. Mm -hmm. But if you're someone who has extensive experience and you're trying to get to where you're supposed to go, then your resume is going to be a good two pages, sometimes even bleeding on the third page for real. So it, it, it kind of, I think it depends on the recruiter. Honestly, and if I'm, if I'm keeping it a buck, my resume is long as crap. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I learned to cut my resume down, but my long resume got me my job. Mm -hmm. My long resume also got me my job in my previous role. So it, it was impossible for me to put my all of my skill sets in one page. That was mm -hmm. weird. Uh, when it comes to formulating your resume or cover letter, 
I like, I personally like my, how my resume set out and how my mentor told me to set mine out, which is now I'm, I'm kind of programmed to look at resumes this way. I like it where you have either career objective or profession, professional summary at the top. You do not have to have both. You either have a professional summary or a career objective. Uh, from there, you have your skill set. So I like to see the skill set at the top because I want to know what you are good at first. That's the first mm. thing I want to know. Mm. And that skill set, that skill set should not be a bunch of soft skills. Soft skills being leadership, communication, mm-hmm. uh, collaboration, mm-hmm. teamwork. Like everybody's good at that. Right. You need for you need hard skills that is niche to you. So I would so I would put that skill section at the top. The next section should be your experience section. Now, there's no point of having these skills listed in your skill section if you're not going to put those skills in your job responsibilities and how you use them. So I always tell people to put their the skills that they have listed, apply it in your job section or your work experience. And then from there, it probably is going to be the next thing is probably going to be your education. I'm a recruiter who doesn't really care where the education is. Because if the if the job is requiring an educational type of level, I'll find the education. That's not an issue. Uh, granted, you can put that at the top or the bottom. Doesn't really matter to me. But my education is right after my work experience. From there, I have my certifications. From there, I have my volunteer experience or community service. And the reason why I had it had it this way is because volunteer community service. I put in there that I was an event planner. As a recruiter, you have to plan events all the time. And so I wanted the person who was recruiting me and the hiring manager who was deciding to understand that I'm a rec- I am a recruiter. I'm going to be a good recruiter because I know how to event plan. I also know how to talk to people, customer service, and things of that nature. So that's how I set up my resume. My cover letter is normally a kind of an introduction to yourself and an extension of your resume where you're able to explain exactly what you do in your jobs where your resume doesn't give you room to. So you, you pretty much introduce yourself your level of education or your years of experience. And then for me, at the last two sentences of my cover letter has something to the effect of pivoting language. So it was, it was, although I have a law degree, I've decided not to take the bar and practice law. Instead, I decided to go into a field of HR because this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to explain from there, it kind of segue segued me into explaining my temp experience and becoming a recruiter and then my second experience and being a full-time recruiter and then saying that I'm the best fit for the role. So just a letter of explaining why you're the best fit and explaining your experiences around why. Mm -hmm. Now, I have probably been lying about being proficient in Excel on my resumes for the last 25 years or so. Where exactly does that go? <laughs> where does that go? Just, just tell me. Where do we put that? Does that still need to go on the resume, or can we got can we get rid of that? Because yeah, you know, we can put Microsoft Office suite. Office like every, suite. Everybody will say something like, "Oh, Microsoft Word, Microsoft uh, Excel, Microsoft PowerPoint, Microsoft Teams." Like you can just put Microsoft Office suite. Okay. And people pretty much know what that is. Right, but they don't know that I'm lying. Right. Probably not. <laughs> unless, they, unless they tell you that like, they need you to do a sample and the interview. Oh, nah. You don't know what you're doing, nah, then... nah. I'm dead. I'm going to be sweating like the Michael Jordan meme. Nah, uh, crying <laughs> face and everything. I'm done. Uh, so <laughs> let me ask you this. How do you see um, the job market kind of evolving over the next five to 10 years? Because we're seeing a lot of, and you work in big tech, so I think you can really speak to mm-hmm. this. We're seeing a lot of uh, AI being implemented. We're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of uh, robotics being implemented into the work that we're doing now. 
Like if, you know, there's certain restaurants where they don't have servers, they have robots and they have uh -huh. robots as cashiers or there's some hotels uh -huh. that have like AI as the first person that you see person in quotation yeah. marks when you walk to the to the to the counter. Um, how is it changing? And is technology is big tech kind of taking over the job market. I think that there are going to be some changes to a point where people's jobs may be phased out because they they may feel like the AI tools that they're creating can replace a person. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's the same thing as like if you if you saw hidden figures, and um, and when the when Dorothy Vaughn was learning how to use the IBM machine because the IBM was going to push numbers faster than their human computers. In order for them to actually keep their job, they had to learn how to use the IBM machine and learn how to operate it. So I think that if we take our learning and professional development a little further and understanding how AI works and how we can we can work with it or get ahead of it, I think certain people's jobs will be saved. But I do think that at a certain point, if we don't continue to develop ourselves and stay up to speed with certain nuances of things and upgrades and updates of certain things that I do think that will be behind the curve of what we can possibly uh, achieve in the in the end. So I do think that it's important for us to learn more skills now. This is why, which is why people are like a lot of people are going from one industry into tech, specifically tech sales. And part of that is because in order to get the company interested in a certain tech company, you have to have the salespeople to show the demos of the of the products that the tech company has. And and so I, I commend those people who want to learn more about the product so that they can sell it. Because if you're coming out of, say, for instance, retail and you you've been a salesperson for a number of years, it's, it's interesting and very much doable for you to go into tech sales because it's just sales on the technical side. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. those are those are people who are trying to stay abreast of everything that's happening, all the changes that are being made instead of, you know, staying stagnant to, to, and hoping that their jobs are safe. So I think that we have to keep learning about what these tools are and what they mean. We also have to learn about them, how to operate them, whether we become engineers or whether we become product owners or data scientists or things like that. I think we have to be a little bit more ahead and be a little bit more open to learning a little more. Mm -hmm. And I think technology is going to push us out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really good. So for the person who is um, in a job right now, they're they feel stuck, right? They've been in the job for, let's say, seven to 10 years. They might be doing well, but it's not what they want to be doing or they want mm -hmm. to, to do something else. They don't know what they want to do. What words mm -hmm. of, of wisdom would you have for them? Um, because again, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like following your dreams and doing what it is that your heart wants you to do. Right. I don't think anybody should work in a job where, uh, they feel stuck or they feel unhappy or they feel unfulfilled. Right. Uh, what words would you have for someone who was thinking about making a change, uh, in their career field, but they don't necessarily know where to go or they don't know, uh, how to get to a certain destination. Yeah. So there are a few free things that you can do. So. LinkedIn Learning has a bunch of just free courses that you can actually just peruse a little bit to understand if it's something that you may be interested in. And for free, so you don't have to pay for anything. What I also do is I also tell people to follow influencers, follow 
people who, or kind of research people who may be in the field that you may be thinking about going into and start following their journey and learning from them. For example, I post a lot of tips and tricks on my LinkedIn, on my Facebook, on my Instagram, because I just want to make it a little easier for people. So people follow me just from out of, one, sometimes out of curiosity, but then two, out of free advice so that it can make their job search a little easier. So I just always, so you, that's something you can do. You can follow people for free. You can take free online courses via LinkedIn because they do have a lot of free online courses. I would not say to just get a bunch of certifications hmm. because certifications without guidance, it's just paper. Mm-hmm. So I would very much have guidance first before you get certified in something. I would also seek out some career coaches. So there are a bunch of career coaches that you can seek out that will help kind of with the transition to understand what you want to do. I also have a template called season candidates. And the, my season candidates template is for people who may be, for, for example, maybe in their 40s, 50s, or even 60s. And, you know, with, with 40s, 50s, 60s, there is a, a good chance that you may feel like you're going to be discriminated against because of your age. So I wrote that specifically. Like I asked my mom, I said, mom, if you weren't a CNA, what would you want to do? She said, I wouldn't even know where to start. Hmm. If I decided I didn't want to be a CNA anymore, my mom is is uh, closer to 60. I said, well, what would you want to do? She said, I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't even know who to contact, what direction to go in. So I wrote that 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 template based off of her response. Right. So I would so I would absolutely seek out some career coaches. I would definitely seek out. I wouldn't seek out recruiters first. I would do the career coaches first because career coaches are going to kind of baby step you a little bit where recruiters at times can either be so focused on their in-house positions or they can be so focused on getting the hire that they're not paying attention to your journey. Mm -hmm. So I would very much seek out a career coach for the journey aspect and for you to start understanding what you need to do. And then I will also, I will do your own research. It's trying to understand, understand what you want to do, what makes you happy, and then make that a thing. So what makes me happy is being a motivational speaker. And being a motivational speaker, I get to do spoken word and I get to offer people jobs. So it, it starts with that and then putting that into work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, thank you, ma'am. This has been a very enlightening conversation. Uh, the next time that I go out and, and have to 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 apply for a job, I will know that instead of putting proficient in Excel, I can lie and say just proficient in the whole Microsoft suite. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just good at all of it. Like just, just give it, <laughs> give it all to me. Like right. word. They won't, they won't know unless you, unless you get caught. Team. <laughs> uh access there used to be one called access or something back in the day. i'm good at all love just give it all to me uh so shanae recruiter cousin tell the people how they can connect with you tell them how they can get those templates that you talked about i think this is a really dope yeah. conversation i really want to be sure that people um uh just just connect because i think you're doing i think you're doing really dope work thank you so you can find me on instagram at recruiter cousin uh the at is right under me so recruiter and then cousin just all one word 
You can also find me on, on LinkedIn. You can hashtag recruiter cousin and hit the hashtag and you'll find my post and you can connect, connect or follow me there. Or you can type in Shanae Urquhart, C-H-E-N-A-E, last name is Urquhart, E-R-K-E-R-D, and I'm literally the only one in the world whose name is that. So you'll, you'll get me. Uh, and then you can also connect with me on TikTok. I'm at recruiter cousin on TikTok as well. And I'll post a lot of my, my testimonials from people who've used my templates. I literally get I literally had, I, like, sometimes I lose count, but for now, I have, like, seven more testimonials that I need to share that I haven't shared yet. But I get a good amount of testimonials per week for people who have used my templates and, they, and they've gotten them either offers or interviews or recognition from can, from companies that wouldn't otherwise have paid them any mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my templates, you can go to Gumroad, so Gum, and then Road. Uh, and you can find Recruiter Cousin and my templates will be there. Or you can go to my direct me on my Instagram bio, hit direct me and my my templates are there. You can go to LinkedIn under where it says Durham, North Carolina, RC Job Secret Templates, hit the hyperlink and my, my templates are there. And then I also have a calendar that if you DM me uh, or you can hit my direct me and my calendar is there as well. Okay. And I'll be sure to put all of those links in the uh, podcast description on YouTube and on all the platforms. So thank you, Recruiter Cousin. I appreciate it. You know, I've always yeah. been a big supporter of yours from years and years ago. And I just love yeah. the work that you do. And you always just continue to uh, amaze me and all of the great and dope things that you are involved in. So thank you. Uh, give your husband my best wishes on uh, yeah. not his team not making it to the Super Bowl. Okay, well, not his team, okay? <laughs> not his team. See the Super Bowl logo right up here. <laughs> oh, right <up> here. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. I holler at you. And uh, oh, don't forget, like I always say, if you listen to the podcast, if you're watching the podcast, uh, take care of your kids, take care of each other, but most importantly, take care of yourselves. Uh, like, share, subscribe, download it, do all the things you got to do on all the platforms. And we'll see you in the next episode. Black people, parents, peace. Hey, are you looking for new and innovative ways to connect with your children? Do you want to learn how to connect with them through hip hop, social media and popular culture? Then look no further than my company, The Glad Dad. I'm Dion, a keynote speaker, professional development trainer and workshop presenter. And I'm also an expert in family engagement. And I want to show you and everyone around you how to use the latest trends to connect with young people on a much deeper level, a level that will truly break down barriers and create change. By working with the Glad Dad, you'll learn how to break through the noise and meet young people where they are to connect with them on their level. You'll discover new ways to communicate, engage, and create meaningful connections that'll last a lifetime. Whether you're a parent, teacher, or youth leader, I want to teach you the strategies that'll help you connect with your kids like never before. From keynote speeches to professional development training, I got you covered. So don't wait any longer. Visit my website, DionChavis.com today to learn more about how I can help you connect with your children through hip-hop, social media, and popular culture. Your kids will thank you for it. That's right, the Glad Dad, helping adults establish positive relationships with young people. Reach out to me today and let's discuss how I can serve you and your staff. Now let's get back to the podcast.